Our passion didn't start with the mouth. It started with people, with the well-being of the profession. And if you're like me, maybe a little bit of your nerdiness in all things tech too. We all want to love what we do, but the truth is burnout, people problems, and glass ceilings can keep us from doing what we set out to do. So let's get back to the heart of connection. Welcome to the Dental Handoff. This show is about passing you the knowledge, the habits, the systems, and the strategies to lead your teams, lean on the tech, and listen to your gut while you take care of teeth. And let's get honest, the overall health of our communities. Let's stop using the wrong end of the toothbrush, y'all. My name is Dr. Kelly Tanner. Oh, and uniquely, I'm a dental hygienist, too. You can consider me a guru in the dental and leadership industry. With over three decades of experience, my goal is to take you to the next level by empowering growth, perspective, and confidence. By identifying the gaps, recognizing the plaque, and extracting the truth with other experts in the field. I'll share their stories, empower you to own yours, and elevate your passion in the process. So have a seat in the chair, put on your bib, and let's get to work. Hello, everyone. I am live at SmileCon ADA. I am Dr. Kelly Tanner, RDH. It is a pleasure to be here with you all today. How's everybody doing out in the audience? Yeah. All right. Yeah. You guys can hear who's the loudest out here. It's my Zyrus group. Y'all know Zyrus, right? If you don't, come check us out at ADA booth. Today, you know what we're going to talk about? Leadership and teams. Go figure. And the question truly is, what would need to happen for people want to stay in your practice and in your office, your team, your organization? Does it really matter what it is that you're doing? But what would make them want to stay? Because the truth is, is that what we have been doing doesn't still work. We have to consider where we are, the time, the different social perspectives, the context that people come from, where they've been, where they're going, and how to support them in their path. So I'd like to step back and think about what is a high-performance team member. I think of it in the way of a triangle. So in a triangle, the bottom layer is that self-awareness of you. You, yourself, your self-leadership, what it is you're bringing to the table, what it is you're bringing with your awareness how it is that you interact with others, how you're communicating, and who are you and, you know, how does it show up in what you do in your daily activities? And then the next part of the triangle is the team. And that's where that, that foundation starts to build because you can't have the team without you and knowing who you are. So it's that, that self, that team, and then it goes into the practice because the practice is where all the magic happens. And then they go out and then they become a part of their community. And then they, and then they, and then they, they bring them back. They bring them back and they find you through Yelp because people are just dawdling over your office. They want to be a part of you. They want, want you and what it is that you do. So it starts with that high performance team member, where they are and how you're meeting them where they are. And we do this in so many other different areas of our lives. And education as an educator, I meet students where they are how they learn. Are we doing that in our offices and our practices? I was six years old and my dad was home for the weekend and he traveled a lot. He has a 10th grade education. And so happy he was there and we were sweeping the floor. We were sweeping the floor and he looks at me and he says, Kelly, where is my dustpan? And I'm going, 
What do you mean? Where's my dustpan? Yeah, be ready with it. You've got to be ready for what the next person's going to want. See, my dad was an iron worker, is an iron worker, he would still say. And when he would go from city to city, he would climb up hundreds of feet in the air. And when he went up there, he couldn't have forgotten anything. You know, he can't just go down because he forgot a pencil or he forgot a wrench. He had to be ready to hand everything up to the next person above him. So he taught me at a very early age that you got to give people what they don't even know that they need yet. And I think that that is our position in dentistry. And that's where we are as team members. How are we communicating? Is it intentional? Are we building that relationship with our team? Because if you think about it, in every single other relationship you've been in, you're there because you want to be there. And do they want to be there? So what is it that you need to put in place to make them want to be there? For me, I think with all the folks that I talk to, it's the power of relationship and how you're intentionally building that relationship. So let's talk about why members stay. Why do members of the team stay? Because they enjoy being there. They, they like to have fun. They're rewarded in the ways that they are. They feel fulfilled. I mean, think about it, you guys. It's the same thing with why we stay in any relationship. They're challenged. You're bringing things to them so they can give of their gifts because their gifts will meet them in the presence of where they are and your office. So this isn't just showing up to do the things and to do the procedures and to check someone in. It's about, is that meaningful work for them with their gifts and where they are? And then I think too, we need to fit the construct of how they contribute to the entire group. They need to figure out because you guys, we're all in this as servant leaders, right? This is why we do what we do and why we show up to work every day. Do they know their why? And do they know how they contribute to that group? Do they know what frustrates another person about those little things that they do every single day that brings up that drama in the practice that nobody wants to deal with, especially doctors? You don't have time for that. No one has time for that. But are we trying to intentionally figure this out? So in this, it's knowing their role. What role do they play? What is it that they are special in? How are they unique and special to this practice? Why are they there? Why do, why do they think that you want them there? And then do others know their giftings? And then I think most of all, they want to feel supported. And there's different ways that we can do this. But I think the first thing that we do is we ask the question of how can I support you? Because we think that we know, we think that we know what people want. And we try to answer those questions by training, by doing, by just putting them in this one size fits all training or one size fits all consulting. But you can't because you gotta, you have to know the human factor and how they want to connect. A motivated team, as mentioned, they're servant leaders. They're people who want to show up and they want to give of themselves. They want to give back. They want to make people smile. They want, the, they want them to feel whole again. And they want, and don't we all want connection? Connection at a different level that we've never had. Because our patients, when they're there, they trust us to connect the dots for them and to feel connected to your team because they sense, they sense when your team is not getting along, right? 
they know, oh, they can feel that pulsating through the practice. They're like, oh, somebody's having a bad day. Look at their hair. Wow. Okay. Someone needs to talk about this. And they know too when the front office isn't talking to the back office. So at the, at the core of it all, I teach leadership courses at Christopher Newport University and Hampton, Virginia. And I teach the President's Leader at the President's Leadership Institute with the students there. And what they what they say time and time again, when I'm like, what is your definition of a leader up to your point where you are in 19, 20 years of age? Who is it that you look up to? What is it in them that you see? And any textbook throughout my PhD in organizational leadership and business has said trust. They want to trust you. But if they don't know what you're going to do next, if they don't know how you're going to treat them, if they don't know the answer and how they fit, what that fit test truly is, how are they going to trust you? How are they going to trust their team member to connect, to be servant leaders, to stand on the, on the shoulders of the giants that they've learned from? And it's also about a leader who's had vision. Being a part of a team that has a vision of being a larger part of their community and life. And the part of the team that wants to leave that legacy in the community. That's the kind of team I would want to be a part of. And for any moment that I'm a part of anything, that's the part of the legacy I'm showing up for. And of course, we in dentistry, aren't we passionate? Man, we are some passionate people. We're multi-passionate, many of us. So this is the motivated team. So when I think about, okay, what, I get these questions all the time. Kelly, why, why can't I find a hygienist? Why am I a hygienist? And so they come to me, why can't I find a hygienist? And I'm like, this is such a complex, complex answer to what it is I'm trying to say to you right now. I'm like, it's not just a singular thing. It's not just your job posting. It's not, it's about all of the things. And so I have kind of likened this to when, when there's a disorder in the mouth, when there's a peri, when there's peri, peri pathology, what is it I'm stepping back from and say, what's causing this? Because right now we're experiencing the symptoms of what, what the true disease is, or the true condition truly is. It's burnout. These are the symptoms we're seeing. We've heard so much about this. It's turnover. It's people problems. It's drama in the office. Kelly, how do I get rid of the drama? Because two, you have, you have seasoned team members there who've been there, who stuck it out through COVID. And then you have the new people coming in and you have to train them and they get frustrated because they're already tired and they've been working. And it's how do we bring these two halves to a whole? How do, we, how, we, how do we connect them and to make them get along so when my team is already exhausted? Well, utilize, utilize your seasoned leaders. Also, too, a symptom of this is we see missed time from work. We see people not showing up for interviews. Do they know who you are? Do they know, do they, do they know how you do and what your team does? Are they seeing it? Are people in the community talking about it? So why and how does all of this happen? You know, why do they start to experience some of this? They're tired of the same thing. They want variety. People in dentistry, and I think any of you all out in the audience, and then also the listeners, we want, we're, we're great entrepreneurs, aren't we? We love a variety. We're great connectors. That's what makes a great entrepreneur. That's what makes you great at marketing, whatever it is that you believe in. So of course, side hustles are a thing. Of course they are. Of course innovation's a thing. Because we're brilliant-minded people. And you know what I know about dentistry? Is that we're going to figure it out every time. Because we've gotten this far, not to only come this far, and we're always going to figure it out. 
So of course we should expect the side hustle because that's going to give that individual variety. Every day when they show up to you, we should encourage it, I think. Not that it's gonna detract from it, but I think it contributes to what it is that we do every day and to how that makes us different. Work and life balance. Man, I have three kids. I remember I felt like my daughter, when I worked at VCU, she was a Virginia Commonwealth University in Richmond. I have a guest here who was one of my original uh, people who I learned from in orthodontics, the School of uh, Dentistry, Esther Tufekci. And I felt like I was always missing work because I had a sick child. I'm like, I can't help it. You can't help it. They have an ear infection. You can't help it. And I felt less than, and I felt like I couldn't perform in the way I wanted to because I felt like other people were looking down on me. So how could that have been different? How could I have felt supported in that? Have you asked? Do you know? It's about having these conversations, which we're going to talk about in a minute, because these things, these day-to-day things in life, they make you feel overwhelmed. And of course they do. And you know what they lead to? They lead to impaired relationships because people are all of a sudden treating you differently and you don't know what you've done. You, y'all hear me on this? Like when you, when you go in and you, you're in an office, okay? Y'all work in an office? Okay. You go in and you've upset somebody and you don't even know what you've done to upset them for the day. Y'all, not, y'all picking up what I'm putting down? And it's just like, what about having that conversation of that mutual respect of saying, listen, when this happened... This is how that made me feel. Do you feel comfortable to have that conversation? Is there that mutual respect? Is that in the how you do what it is that you do and that agreement in place in your practice? And then the most frequent thing that I find that leads to burnout and people problems is people aren't connected to the passion, their why. They leave because of all this other noise, because of the impaired relationships they feel like that are irreparable, that they can't go back and change. But in fact, they can And it's a conversation away from being able to shed the light on the context for them to get to know you in a way they haven't thought about. We oftentimes don't take that because it's a gift to each other. Because when we're in disagreement about something, if I could learn, if I could be open about what it is that I could know about someone else that would help them improve so I can connect with them, why wouldn't I do that? Because I would feel shame, possibly. That's a very fixed mindset. That's a very fixed mindset. Why would, I, why would I feel bad about asking someone else to share something that's bothering, bothering them about me? I want to get better. So people become disconnected because of these, these relationships that seem to fail. And, you know, we talk a lot about KPIs, key performance indicators. How many of you guys have uh, operated on KPIs? Yes, all of us have. Yes. Well, KPIs are, are great. They're a nice dashboard to step back and say, okay, this gives us some type of indicator about how this person might be doing their job. But what it doesn't measure, it doesn't measure leadership necessarily because haven't we seen those people who are knocking it out of the park with their numbers and they're not necessarily that ethical? They're not necessarily the nicest person because they're shoving everyone out of the way to meet and to meet their quota to get you out of the way so they can do and they can meet those goals. That's not true leadership. That's only, you know, KPIs don't really have to do with leadership because leadership is built on trust. And if you look to see, did a person meet their KPI? Along the way, did they build trust? Along the way, did they build relationships? 
You would say, yes, that's probably a byproduct of that. But did they? And are we measuring that? And our KPI is really a true measure of what it is that we think that we're doing every day. And leadership, John Maxwell and basically every other textbook says, leadership is about influence. How we leave other people feeling, how it is that we connect to people, how we connect them to their destiny and what it is that they want to do. And communication. Because you guys, we've got to talk to each other. We can't figure life out alone. We need each other in this life. We are here to collaborate. The word co, that co means together. We collaborate together. And KPI isn't always about a person having a vision. It's because they're checking the box. So what are we going to do that's different to start checking the box on leadership and mentorship? Are you there for someone else when they need you? To hold that ladder to say, I've got you. To say, Link, can I offer you a ladder on that? Because I, you know, maybe we see things differently, but I just, I want to help you. So that's what I do to make space in any conversation. That's part of my mutual, part of my mutual agreement with my conversations and consulting I enter into. It's when I say, can I offer you a ladder? It's offering that space for validation to say, oh, you tr I trust you, you trust me. And about about what you're getting ready to say to me, it's because you're trying to make me better. It's because we are doing things together for the common goal of why we're all here. So do you have that mentor in your life? Because KPIs are seen as a result. And the, so the new KPI is about keeping them interested and engaged, team members, keeping them interested and engaged where they are. You can't guess what they're going to want. You don't know. My good, my good friend Rolando Mia told me about that. You can't guess what people are going to want. And you got to keep people informed. You have to, even when, okay, so when COVID, y'all remember COVID? So even when COVID, even when our offices were shut down, weren't we looking for direction? It's like when you're at the airport. It's like when you're at the airport and your flight's delayed. And you're just looking for some sign that you're going to leave that day. Right? It's just like anyone. Can someone help me? What time am I delayed until? Is this 30 minutes? Am I looking at an hour? Am I having to book a hotel room? We all just want information. Even if we don't know the right answer, even if for someone to say, I don't know yet, is information. Like, hang tight. We're figuring it out. But that communication plan, what does it look like for your office? Who's on first? Who makes the rules? Who do we go to? What is that phone tree? Do you guys remember phone trees back in the day? Okay, we still have them. The phone tree. I remember that with cheerleading practice. It was, who has the phone tree? I'm like, where is this tree and why are there phones on? You know, this is me in my 11-year-old mind. KPIs are also about keeping them involved in what's going on in the practice. How it is that technology is impacting, improving, acting as a team member in that practice. And how are you connecting those behavioral beliefs of that individual with that technology to make a difference in people's lives every day? Are you doing that? And you can sit and do the training and do the things and check the box and take a post-test. But do they want it? Do they know why they want it? They don't usually do. They're just told that the doctor comes back from a great convention and brings a great piece of technology. And it arrives. Like, the doctor's like, aren't you excited? You're like, what is this? You know, when I work with ITERA, you, we roll it in. The people think that they're getting an EKG, you know? Because it's, it's, it's like, what is this thing and why? It's, it's your digital health scan. That's what we're doing right now. Oh, what is that about? Let me tell you what. I'm going to scan your mouth. It's going to take three minutes and you get to see something that you've never seen before. So you're connecting with your patients through technology, and you're keeping your team inspired, too, because they look for that leadership. They look for that trust. They look for that leader.
So when I'm thinking about leadership, when I'm thinking about how we are building teams, a lot of times we're putting in information. And if you think of this like a funnel, you're putting in the information, you're just dropping like that gumball machine, you know, the gumball that swirls around and around. You're dropping, you're investing resources in the top and hoping that they're sifting down somewhere to combine something magical that's out there that's going to give this aha moment which is a lot of times personal development, team building. It could be that you're training them on some type of something, tech, technology, what it is that you think they need to know. But I think of it more of as like an hourglass. So if you take it and you put the things in and then you flip it upside down, we put the resources in, we take the classes, invest in the team, the we, and then you flip it and the team gives back and provides that guidance and the leadership because it can't just live in a funnel. You have, to, you have to collaborate. You have to flip that hourglass on that little thing and flip it back over. And it creates what they call a learning organization. During my time studying the PhD program that I was in, we talked a lot about learning organizations. This, and, and this is why I went back, went back as a hygienist, started as a dental assistant, went back, loved people, wanted to connect people with their passion, what it is that they want to do in their life. But when you think about the organization, you're sitting here and you're thinking about it, okay, here this is and here I am. How do I learn from that organization and how does it learn from me? How do we coexist in a symbiotic relationship to make sure that it's giving me what I want and I'm giving it what it wants? And so this learning organization, Gareth Morgan has a book, I have it over on my podcast stand. This is why people stay. They want to learn. They want to grow. They want their doctors to invest in them, even though doctors, even I talked to you this morning, said they don't. They're scared to spend the money because people will leave. More on that in a moment. People, people stay because of the team and support. Why do they leave? Because of the team and no support. The same reasons why you, they stay are the same piece, the pieces of the puzzle that fall away that make them and help them make that final decision to say, I'm done. So when you offer, when a doctor offers, when an office, an organization offers personal growth to someone, it's directly related to professional growth. Because that's something that you can never take away from them. Because see, by offering that personal growth, you're changing their life. You're not just changing how they show up to work every day. You're, they're, they're hearing from you that you're invested in them, that you're invested in what it is that they want to and that bit of information you're, they're taking forward, they're taking it home to their family, to their mother, to their brother. It's the, it's the ripple effect. It's the, it's the trickle-down effect of everything. So when we take something for CE or there's professional development that's there, is this, does this count for CE? I don't know. I don't know sometimes. But is it good for you? Does it make you feel good? If it's good, then do it. If it's not, then don't. Do you need that in your life right now? Okay, so why not offer them personal growth to give you what you want professionally? Because I'll tell you what, what you're going to learn is you're going to learn something about that individual and what matters to them, which is what's going to keep them coming back to you. And then to start, you know, Kelly, how do you start with this? Well, you can't build a plan of action until you know where you are. you got to figure your people out and ask them, collaborate, collaborate together. And where do you begin? It begins with training. It begins with listening. 
a lot of listening to where they think they want to go in their lives, what talents and gifts they bring, and to create an understanding of everyone's role in the practice, what frustrates them throughout the day. If you're doing something even so small, you're messing with my schedule as a hygienist. That you're messing with my schedule as a hygienist? Come on. Like, I'm going to be like, I'm going to... I don't even have time to go to the bathroom now somebody's messing with my schedule, right? So what's a better way to do that? Talk to people. Say, okay, if this happens, then do this. And that's our mutual agreement. But if something's outside of that, let's talk. Like, let's figure out a different system. So if you take it and you put that structure in place and you create that communication, that connection, and it's almost like a standard operating procedure of how it is that you do what you do, then you take a lot of this away. You take a lot of the frustration, a lot of the drama, because you tend to bury it. You're like, it's not that big of a deal. It's just today. It's another patient. Okay, my next patient, here's Tim. I don't have time to deal with this. I don't have time to deal with this. You're pushing it down. But then also, too, you're teaching people in this, through that personal development, their personal responsibility to their why. The personal and professional responsibility of, you know, if you're not getting what you want to out of your job, what do you need to do? That's on you. How do you need to grow in the way? Is it a conversation you need to have a doctor? Conversation you need to have a treatment plan coordinator who's upsetting you? We have to remain consistent with that personal responsibility. Boundary setting. We talk about this in a lot of other lines of work, don't we? Setting healthy boundaries. Well, there's a book. It's called Boundaries. And if you read it, you have boundaries with kids, boundaries with, I don't know, maybe that's a new addition. It's like chicken soup for the soul. Boundaries in dentistry. Maybe that's a new one. You're welcome. Anybody, Rolanda, go, go, go do that book. Boundary setting. So you can help people understand your perspective to say, you know, when this happens, this doesn't make me feel good and this is why. So they start to understand what it is that's bothering you. And this results in change behavior because behavior, because you're taking, you're taking the classes, you're doing the things, and then behavior's not changing. That's frustrating. That's insanity. Why would, why would anyone stay in any relationship? Because this is what this is. It's a relationship. It's not just a place you show up. You spend the majority of your time with these people. So let them lead is what I'm saying. Let them lead, empower their gifts, collaborate on decisions together, and make it their idea. Have them formulate the plan. Have them figure out how they're going to communicate, your team. Because it builds trust. It helps with conflict management. Because, see, conflict is actually a really good word. It helps with team agreements, who you are and what you do. And emotional intelligence, which I love. I'm a certified, certified in emotional intelligence, DISC, and then also driving forces. Y'all, it's the, it's the jelly in the middle of the donut, I'm telling you. And then setting boundaries. This, this modified within teams results in satisfying behavior for everyone. You connect. So diff, different little perspective, just off on a tangent, like one of the buckets I'm going to talk about for a moment, is emotional intelligence. Because if you don't know your score in emotional intelligence, there's a lot of like free complimentary tests that you can get like a, a survey of what it is where your EQ, it's a, emotional intelligence also called EQ or EI. You can get a beat on where you are on that and one of the different quadrants that you need to work on. And maybe it's all four, which is all great, right? Because it's feedback. Because you can't act on it unless you know the information. The five areas of emotional intelligence, self-awareness, self-regulation, motivation, what's your lightning in the bottle, social awareness, and your social regulation. Don't, have you all ever been around the person who makes a joke, a bad joke at the wrong time, and it feels awkward, as my son would say, it's secondhand embarrassment? 
Yes, it's because they don't, their score on that emotional intelligence is low. They haven't figured out where they need to be on that. So with the first area, the first quadrant, emotional awareness, self-awareness is emotional awareness, that ability to read, understand your emotions and recognize your impact on your work environment. Isn't that what we're talking about? At the gooey center of all of what I'm saying is emotional intelligence. So if you go, if you were to do nothing today, because you don't know how to, how to move forward, go online, take an emotional intelligence test, see that feedback. I also offer them through my company, which is Next Level Dental Hygiene. Follow me on Instagram, Next Level DH. DM me. There's a small you know, investment on that because it's the price I pay for the assessment. Do it. It gives you advice. It gives you constructive feedback. It says, if you need to improve here, here's how you do it. Here's how you start. It's the ability to read, understand your emotions. It's also that accurate self-assessment because I think, don't you also know people in the office who think that they're the best at everything? And because it's hard to do an accurate self-assessment without that input, because we need each other to recognize our blind spots. You need that person because we're here and we think we're doing great. But who's helping you? Who's on your team helping you thrive in your blind spots? And self-awareness is also about self-confidence. Have you ever followed a leader who's not confident, who doesn't have any self-confidence? Probably not. The second so the, the awareness that you have is like your thermometer. It's your recognition of where you are in your environment and how you're interacting with others. Then the next is self-regulation, your self-control. When that person is really upsetting you, what do you do? Do you keep it in? You're like, mm, or do you say, you know what? That's really upsetting me because da, 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 da. we can't do that. That's not the way, that's not the way forward. Because those disruptive emotions, they need to dissolve and you need to figure out why you're being triggered on that so you can peel back the layers of the onion to then address it. Because that person who's self-regulated is usually a person you can trust. You know, everybody knows who this member is on their team. You can put them in any situation and you know that they, they are not going to react. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? So you're just like, yep, put her in a room. She will not be a loose cannon. And there's the loose cannon too. You're like, who knows what's going to come out of his or her mouth? Who even knows? So it's that trustworthiness that we look towards and for in our team members. And then that conscientiousness, the ability to manage yourself and your responsibilities to say, I can't get this to, to this today. And we in dentistry, as talented as we are, you know what we could do better on? Delegating. We think that we can do it better than everybody else, but you know what happens? We can't do it all. We have to train someone else to do this. How are you constructively doing this and building this in your office for sustainability? Are you? So this part is about your regulation, your thermostat, your action on how you're reacting to everything. And then the next one is the motivation. What gets you out of bed in the morning? Do you remember when if y'all have ever dated anyone before, how you just look forward to seeing them, how you just look forward to seeing them and what motivated you. You didn't need a reason. You, you didn't need to know what, necessarily what you're going to do. You just got to saw them, see them, because you were going to see them because you haven't seen them in so long. And you saw them and you're like, yes, this is why. This is why I was so excited. Well, that motivation, what changes that when you're in a work environment. You want to you get up every morning and be like, yes, this is the place I want to be at. Are you motivated to go to work? And if not, why? Why? What's changing that for you? Is it you've changed? Do you need to adapt with it? Has your why changed? Do you need to, do you need to find a habit? What is that outside of you that need to, needs to motivate you and bring that back to 
your GUI center. The next quadrant is social awareness, that empathy. We need this more than we know. Brene Brown talks about it, I don't know if she talked about it this morning, but that empathy is what sets everybody else apart. Putting yourself in those shoes, do not say, I'm gonna help you solve your problem, but thank you for trusting me with that. We do that with our patients every day. That's what makes you a different leader, a different team member, a different human. It's a sensing other people's emotions, understanding their perspective, and taking an active interest in their concern. Not because you're going to fix it, not because you're going to give advice. I always ask, I always ask permission before I provide advice. I'm like, "Are you okay? Can I can I offer you a letter? Can I can we can I say something here? Can I, can I see something I'm recognizing? Blind spots, right?" And then say, have you thought about, how could you better, how could you be better supported in this? How can I support you in this? And that organizational awareness as well, the ability to read that dental office as air traffic controller, what are you doing? Do you have a team huddle every morning? Do you know if someone was up all late all night with their, ch with their child and they're not performing at a five-star level? How can you support them? Ask that question. It's personal, but it's not. It's very real. It's what we do. It's why we get burnt out because we don't feel like we're validated. More than anything, people want to be validated, not because you agree with them, not because you, I mean, you can disagree, but say, I hear you. I acknowledge that in you. I can't imagine that. Thank you for sharing. So in that morning meeting, when you're not operating at that five-star level, figure out what it is. So if they need to go run a child to a doctor, you're like, we've got you. Here's our plan for this to feel supported. And then that person too who has that social awareness, they're usually very service oriented. They want to make that impact in their social lives and in, in the people they touch. And that's what makes them that influencer. So take time to pause, be intentional about who you're impacting and what that means to that person who's reaching out for you. Because I know one thing, I know another thing about my profession is that we're not always great at asking for help. We definitely don't delegate as much as we could, but we're not always great at asking for help. But isn't that what great leaders do? When they don't know, they refer out. When, when great dentists don't know, they refer out. They ask for help. They call a friend. They say, can you help me? So that self-regulation is about that visionary leadership. It's about that influence that you have to wield those persuasive techniques those persuasive tactics, that communication of listening and sending a clear message, convincing into that well-tuned communication, even if you don't know, say you don't know yet. And to be that catalyst for change of, you know, I acknowledge that this could be something that we could improve. Team, what are you experiencing? Talk to, talk to me about this. This is doctor speaking if I'm a dentist. What can we do? How can I? What can I? And how can I help you? How can I support you in this? Those two words are amazing. Conflict management, we'll talk about. And then coaching and mentoring. If you don't know, if you don't know how to do it yourself, if you don't have time, have this co-mentoring in your practice. But I'd like to go back to the word conflict. The definition of conflict is a serious disagreement or argument, and it's typically a protracted one. So in the leadership course that I teach with the students, I have them, I give them this definition, and I have them construct together as a group Say, give me a positive definition of conflict. Flip this and make conflict a good thing. Because when you have conflict, it gives you context to understand someone like you didn't before. Because remember, when there's disagreement, you're asking 
someone else to step away from their internal belief about something. That's kind of a big deal. And so what do you need to do? You need to meet that with empathy and say, I hear you. I think also what we need to consider is this. So that conflict gives you the different understanding. It brings people together. It's the glue. So let's redefine conflict and embrace it. Have that mutual agreement in the practice and say, conflict, let's define it. Co, again, collaborate. Conflict starts with C-O. You address it together. It builds trust. It creates understanding. And to begin with, you have to be open to hearing something different than what your own thought is or could be, right? You have to remain open. And how would it be if everyone in your practice or your organization was a master communicator? Have you thought about that? Like if everybody were really good at communicating, how would that change your life? How would that change your patient's life? How would you connect with them differently? How they can walk out empowered, having that autonomy. You're fulfilling your code of ethics as a dentist, as a professional, that you took your oath on to give that patient autonomy. We aren't doing that because we get busy. There's shortages. Everybody feels overworked and burnout. But how about teach people how to communicate and opened up with that, open up that trust, that system of trust? Because it breaks down that drama triangle really quick when you call people out. It's like, hey, if we can't agree here, if we don't have this mutual respect in this practice, we agree that when you're a team member here, you know that piece of paper you signed, that we all have a mutual trust and we talk to each other a certain way and what we do. And we don't talk to people like this. This is how we address issues. And if you have an issue, it's always with that person. You go to the person first. Don't go to office manager. Don't go to dentist. Dress it with them. And here's how you do it. Break the drama triangle. Because you're giving them life skills, you guys. You're giving them life skills that you can't take away. It's just like your education. And one thing builds on the other. It's a compound effect. But Kelly, won't they leave? Won't they leave my practice? I, I've spent thousands of dollars on training, different things. Well, the cost of wrong and making a mistake is less than doing nothing. Right? You've got to be proactive because what happens when the team sees that you're doing nothing? Are they going to stay? Nope. It's going down the drain. They want to see that you're proactive, even if you're doing it wrong. They want to see that you care. They always want to see that you care. So here's how you go. Here's how it goes. You ask them, ask them for what they need. You support them where they need support. You take a consensus. What do you guys need? What do you want? What do you feel like you can do, be doing better? Okay, establish a plan of action. You could do leadership training. Where it is, where it is that you are, with whatever resources you have, whoever your friend is, continue education, whatever that is, you can have a communication chart. You guys, I love this. I love when I establish a communication chart in a practice, and it's like, it's it starts off with something like, "You'll know that I'm upset when," because when I'm upset, you know, I become very detached. I'm like, "No, I'm good." No, mm -mm, no, I'm good over over here. But some people get aggressive, right? Everybody reacts to stress differently. So when I'm stressed, this is what I'm going to be like. And when you know that I'm stressed, when should you communicate with me? Now is not the right answer. But for some people, they want to know it right where they are too. But it's different for every individual in doing that. So that communication chart that's shared in that break room of like, oh, crap, I can see that she's upset. I'm going to go, Susie, yes. Okay, don't talk to her now <laughs> or talk to her at lunch. It gives a great standard operating procedure, if you will. Team meetings twice a month. The most successful teams I meet 
and consult with, they meet at least once a month, but usually for two hours or two times a month. Kelly, how do I find time to do that? Is it important? What's the cost of not having a dental assistant? What's the cost of not having a dental hygienist? For each employee that you don't have, Dr. Mark Hyman talks about this. He's got their really brilliant math on it. Then I gave you the cliff notes. It's about $50,000 for each person that you're shorthanded. And then compound that. So what's it costing you not to invest in the teams where they are? And then, of course, consulting. You can always invest in that. So what do you do from here? What do you do from here? You connect with your team. You ask them what they want. Next Level Dental Hygiene. I have a book coming out on mindset. I'm an author of Emotional Intelligence. And one of these books coming out, I believe, in November. It's been pushed back because of edits. And I will put that out to my community. Like, love me on Next Level DH. I also have courses. It's five courses on leadership essentials for dental professionals. Overcoming cognitive bias. Conflict management. Finding your true north. Are you who you think you are? All these great things about realigning your team. And then keep learning where you are. Because we're, it's an imperfect process, isn't it? Be accountable for you and centered on your why. If it's not working for you, do something about it. Take action. So with that, I'm going to put questions to the audience, if you have any, for Q&A. Are there any questions in the audience? So I'm live at SmileCon ADA, if you guys don't know. This is amazing. Dr. Kelly, thank you so much. Really appreciate the context and the sentiment behind the engagement. We work with a lot of clinicians, and we often hear um, that these are important. What advice would you give people when their owner doctor or their dentist is not willing to invest in them? Mm, good question. So this is, do you want to state your name and who you're with? This well, my name is Rolando. I'm with Zyrus. Okay. I had, to, I had to give a name to the voice so you guys know who's in the audience as well here. What do you do for that team? Well, you say, what kind of results are you, are you getting right now with your team? You know, what kind of results are you experiencing? Is that working for you? Well, no, is usually the answer. It's like, what do you want? What do you want from your team? What would it look like? If, you, if I could pop a bottle of champagne and say, this team is amazing and it's running on all cylinders, what would that look like for you? And I ask them that question. What do you need to do to create that environment that, that makes people want to stay? And they're like, well, I think that Susie doesn't like Kathy. And this is why I think I know it. Well, have they spoken? What, where is that at right now? And so I get back to the question of, what's it costing you not to address it? What's that, what's that ripple, ripple effect, that trickle-down effect on the rest of your team from not just these two doing this, but how's that affect the rest of your team? Is it a place that you want to come and contribute every day to their why? Because they have choices on where they can go. So how is it and what is it that you can do to support them is usually the question I ask. And they're like, well, I guess I need to get some team training. I guess I need to listen to what they want. So I give them some advice. They go back and they do the things, you know, whatever that is for them, because you have to help them figure that out. And then you give them other resources. But truly, it's what are you missing out on and what's the overall cost of you not doing it? So it's um, helping them take action and supporting them because sometimes, sometimes, well, people don't know sometimes they need help until it's bottoming out, right? 
And it's always that boss that you think that someone should tell them that they're not doing such a great job as a boss, but why can't that be you with that courageous conversation? Because it also rely, it also is relying on that team member to go to that boss to say, hey, we, our, team is, our team needs support. Because it's also about empowering those followers, empowering the team, like we said, those leaders in your practice to inform you. Because remember, you have that mutual respect in the practice. So me as doctor, owner, if I'm that person, I want to know. Because I, I'm in the opera, I'm, I'm doing my, man, I'm doing my zone of genius every day. You guys, let me know what's going on so I can support you. So going back to that question, Ro, you know, just asking them what it's costing them not to address it and how I can support them where they are and taking some of these actions and taking a back. Was there another question? Hey, Kelly. Chris hey. from Empowered Dentistry. Hey, Chris. Uh, talking about communication, wanted to know more about the communication chart, um, what the purpose is, and a little bit more about what's included on it. Oh, my gosh. So this chart is so much fun. Where I'll usually take people with this, I'll usually start with a DISC assessment. Thank you for the question. I usually start with a DISC assessment. And the thing about DISC is it's other people's observation of your behavior. So it's what do you think it is that you're doing? You know, it's the what and how you think that you're doing what you're doing and what you aren't. So it's whether it's your truth or not, it's somebody else's truth on how you are. It's their perspective. And managing perspectives is what it's all about in leadership and influence, right? So if they don't know your internal dialogue and they don't have that person talking on their shoulder to be like, don't talk to her right now, you can't read a mind. And so this chart talks about when I'm upset, this is how I look. And so then you have the question, you have the team member's name, like Sally, Susie, doctor, doctor, whoever across the team. And then you have their answers that they've written in. So it's when there's a problem, there's, I think there's six, there's six points here, Chris, with this. And if you, if you want that chart, I'm happy to send it to you. If you guys message me on Next Level DH, I'll send that chart out to your offices so you can have a template for it. But it's different questions about how you can go back to your team. And even without the DISC assessment, you can, you can just answer this straight up. And when I, when I do this, the team members go, oh, that's why. Oh, that's why. Because if a doctor is a really high D, because many dentists are, they're very like task-driven. They want to know what they need to do, where they need to be, what happens if a lab hasn't gotten there, who's taking care of this, who's supporting me. Very fast decisions. We make in-time decisions all, all day. But if there's a problem and they get angry, that upsets everyone. And so how do you need to approach that doctor? Do you need to approach them at lunch at the end of the day? Is there something that you need to have like a suggestion box outside of their office? Like what works for them? So you're talking about this in real time with doctor to say, you know, I never thought about that and how that affects you all. And so it's much more conversation that comes out of just that chart. It's the understanding of what, what is triggering that doctor to get, that, get to that point. It's because what they end up doing is say, you know, like today at that 10 o'clock patient and the person's like, yeah, I remember you acted a certain way. And it's like, well, this is what upset me. And it provokes a conversation that leads to that transparent answer that empowers the team. Is that helpful? Thank you, Chris. So this is Rolando again. And a follow-on to the answer that you gave me regarding if your doctor is not willing to, to invest in that, you mentioned about getting the courage to actually say something. I found that's one of the most difficult things a person can do and actually ask, what advice would you give someone who, who is there and really wants to, but is just terrified, literally terrified to approach their, their doctor or the person they report to 
and and ask and, and bring up a, a difficult conversation? I would ask them, thank you for the question again, Ron. Um, I would ask them, what are the choices you have? I asked the question of them, what choices do you have? And they're like, I don't know. I was like, okay, what's the, what's the end result? Do you want it to continue like this? No. Well, what are you going to do about it? I don't know. I'm scared. Okay, what's the worst that can happen? They could fire me. Okay. They value you, though. They just said that in this morning's meeting. You know that that's not true. So then you go through what's true for them and what the actual truth is. It's their capital T truth, as my friend Allison LeCousier says. It's their capital T truth. Like, this is a microphone. We can all agree this is a microphone. But it is, this is, that's a capital T truth. But this is my favorite microphone. That's my truth. So what is their truth and what's actually the truth? And how do you bridge that? Because you can always do three things. You can do nothing. You can quit. Or you can stay and figure it out. So that courageous conversation to know that that doctor says to them, I need you. I need you to tell me when something is going awry. I need for you to talk. That's where it starts. That's that self-awareness, that leadership, that foundation, that self-awareness that everyone needs to bring to the table to have these courageous conversations. Because when I feel like I'm supported, I feel like I can come to someone, even though it's not comfortable. But if you're looking at that term of conflict, co-create, that answer for that it's about understanding and seeking understanding. That's what it's always about, is seeking understanding and to connect, always. Thank you. Sarah, did you have a question? I think Dr. Tufekci had a question. Thank you, Kelly, for a great presentation. I'm going to take the conflict to the next level. Do it. If there are two, three doctors in the same practice, they all practice on different days with the same dental assistants or hygienist. And then you hear from one of the assistants that, oh, this is not how Dr. Soso told us to do. Mm-hmm. And you're saying, but this is how I want to do. But here's the trick. Dr. Soso is more senior to you. As, as far as skills or experience, no difference. But he or she was at that practice way before you were there. Now you have very confused, awesome dental assistants, but they're so confused and they don't know which procedure or which protocol to follow. How do you solve that conflict? Thank you for that question. There's always the interpretation of the doctors want what they want, how they want to talk about it, right, too. And sometimes there's different procedures. When this is present, how do we handle and address this? What I always recommend to practices and and teams is to, you know, when you say that you're doing a scaling and root planning, I'm just using this as an example, okay? What does that actually mean? Does the front office know what what the back office is seeing, okay? So it's marrying the two concepts that helps that dental handoff. So are you using the same language? Start with that. What's the language difference? And when you're saying that you need a procedure, what is everybody saying and, and, and calling it, labeling it? You need a core buildup and a crown, or you need a crown, or you need a cap. So that person knows that when they have that understanding of what that procedure is, that when they go up to the front and they're like, oh, you need a 49, 100 something, and the patient is like, what are you talking about? So to start with the conversation of, hey guys, I am, so are you talking about that the dental assistant would ask this question or perhaps it's another doctor that's bringing in that group, that group collectively together? That's what I'm hearing is that you're saying if it's the doctor that's recognizing that there is a, that there may be a misalignment there. So doctor brings team together because they're, 
they are together in that mutual trust relationship. And doctor says, what I'm experiencing is that our dental assistant or our hygienist is talking about this and then this is here. What I've noticed is, and they talk about what they've noticed. And Jenny, the dental assistant, seems to become frustrated. And I can understand why validate her in that conversation. So there's pieces, parts to this. It's like Mad Libs where you fill in the blank. And it's, I validate her because I can understand how that could be confusing and why it would also, for all three saying something different, why that would also be communicating, not communicate, communicated correctly to the patient. And what's going to keep them from scheduling that appointment? Communication breakdown from the back to the front where you feel like everybody's talking a different language. So let's talk about what it is that we're saying. When you see this, what is it that you're saying? Find an instance, Isaiah, where it's something that you know that's different that you talk about and calibrate the conversation. Calibrate it. Because they do that in institutions. We do that in offices. We do it with communication. It's what are you saying here that, no, that everybody knows what to do from that point. It's one of those handoff points of view. So then you're establishing of this is why I don't do it like this because this. And then all of a sudden, you're learning something you didn't know. One of the doctors is learning something like, oh, so maybe I should do it like that. You've given them a gift of creating that understanding. And then what that doctor would do to the assistant, they would say, hey, I brought this up. Or first of all, acknowledge that you're gonna to go to doctors and talk about it and say, I, I understand, I validate the fact that that could be an issue for you, how that could be confusing for the patient. I'm gonna to talk to doctors about it. And then go back to that person, say, we talked about it today and here's the outcome. And so while it may be a little bit different, Dr. So-and-so likes for you to, likes for you to have this up in the operatory when I walk in. And then, because there's always like little variations, but it, here's what the patient needs to know. When you're thinking about who you're serving and what it comes down to, it's about what is it that you're doing to make that connection between the team, between the doctors as a cohesive unit and to keep people, to keep people where they are and engaged and um, wanting to contribute and feeling safe too, feeling safe in that environment to say something. Thank you for the question. Are there any other questions? I so appreciate all of you all here at SmileCon today. And if you guys like what you're hearing, would love that you go on to um, the next level dental hygiene. There, there are courses that you can that I offer that you can click on that you can get for your team. Also, too, give us a five star rating on Apple. Apple loves us five-star ratings, and as you are our listeners, we appreciate it. Thank you for all that you do every day in dentistry.